Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. I want to thank you for joining me this evening. I'm glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, with all the crazy stuff that's going on in our government and our society, the question comes to mind, what is it that government should be doing? You know, what, (laughs) I mean, I just, I sit around and I think, what is it that people think this government is doing? And, you know, I try to think about how is that, how is that disconnected from what it's actually doing? And I think uh, Mark Levin in this rant, this Mark Levin has some of the most classic rants that I've ever heard. My only complaint about Mark Levin is he's just one of these Republicans that think Republicans can do it better. And of course, many of you know me and you know that I don't believe that Republicans or Democrats can run the government. The government should be structurally um, and sufficiently small and its influence sufficiently minuscule to the point where we don't have to depend on uh, the angels of men to govern us. Um, that, that was always the struggle. You know, from the very founding of our country, the, the men, and they were men, okay, not men and women, the men that signed the original Constitution and debated it in uh, Congress in Philadelphia, in the first Congressional Congress, they did so knowing that men were corruptible and that they needed to kind of create a government that could minimize that level of corruption. And this is, if you read, if you read the, uh, the uh, debates and stuff that happened in Congress, this was something that they were all very concerned about. For example, you can see this in the discussions between large states and small states. The small states like Delaware and Connecticut, they were very concerned about larger states like Virginia and New York and how the representation in those um, in those states, we're going to overwhelm the reputation in their smaller states, and of course, this is why the states had representation in the form of a Senate. The Senate was supposed to be the state's representatives in the national government, and they were supposed to be appointed by the state legislatures. Of course, now we have "quote unquote" democracy, right, which is Everybody knows is better. You know, there's no way you can argue against the concept of democracy. But look, our our founders, I mean, I know it's popular to pick on these people today because they own slaves or they were old white men. Well, first of all, they weren't that old. A lot of them were very young. You know, James Madison was just, I think, barely 20 years old during uh, uh, the uh, constitutional debates and uh, discussions. Thomas Jefferson was very, very young 
These were very young men. These weren't old white men. They later became old white men, as all men do, all white men do, eventually become old and, you know, they're, if they're white, they become old. Um, but this is just not true about our founding like many things, you know. Um, but they, they knew about the dangers of democracy. They knew about the corruptibility of man. They knew about all these things. And they, they knew that, uh, that war was the lifeblood of the state and that, that they needed to uh, bind down the power of men over the people. And, and they set about creating a fairly you know, robust structural system. The problem is we've changed the system over time. And it's allowed this managerial state to get larger and larger and larger. And the, the area, and I'll talk about it more in a minute, but the area that I really disagree with Mark Levin on is, is he just believes that this is a function of the Democrats. Now, I agree, the Democrats have um, basically grabbed the reins of power and are abusing them maybe more so than the Republicans would. But it's these abuses have always been there. They're just more overt now. And I think it's dangerous, really, to kid ourselves and try to think, well, if we could just get the Republicans in there, you know, we could minimize all this corruption. I mean, you saw this with Trump. Trump was in there. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't do anything about it. It's just too big. It's too powerful. It's like... Uh, uh, Schumer said, you know, you mess with the, the security state and there's about a million different ways they can get you. And this is the problem with permanent Washington. But I think Mark Levin does a great job of chronicling all this. And so for that reason, I want to play his show and then comment on each of these as we as he uh, lists them out. We'd like to talk about democracy versus autocracy. This is what Biden says all the time. He said this election was about democracy and if the Democrats don't win, we will cease to have a democracy because all of us who oppose them, of course, are semi-fascists, whatever that means. Um, I'm here to prove to you that we are living under an increasingly threatening police state under the Democrats and Joe Biden. And in fact, what they are doing is so destructive to this society I don't know if we can reverse course. You have Mitch McConnell in the Senate right now cutting deals with Chuck Schumer. He's not even focused on these things. And you have a number of Republicans, basically five, in the House of Representatives, give or take, uh, who are busy fighting over uh, the uh, silverware on the dining room table in the, uh, in the cafeteria over there at the House of Representatives. Well, I'm here to talk about big issues and your liberty. Wait a second. I'm here to talk about that, Mark. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, Mark, Mark is a guy who understands liberty. I mean, he's written, he wrote a book called Liberty and Tyranny. It was actually a really good book. But fundamentally, I think he is a, a Republican. And he thinks that the Republicans can do it better. And I think that's where I disagree with him. I, I, I'm equally outraged at, you know, the stuff that government does. I mean, he talks about Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell getting together to figure out how to screw the Americans. It turns out when he was recording, when he did this show, that's probably when all the back, 
you know, backdoor dealing for the omnibus bill was being done that we, that got passed a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Um, and then the, and he talks about the Republicans in the house fighting over, you know, the silverware in the, in the cafeteria. Yeah. I mean, look, these guys fight over little turf things, a little turf wars. Me- meanwhile, the vast majority of Americans are having their livelihood stolen from them in the form of inflation. Uh, but he's going to talk about some things that are even worse than that. I mean, uh, I mean, theoretically, you can survive in a regime of constant inflation. I mean, there are countries around the world that do it. I think Turkey, on on average, has about twenty five or thirty percent inflation a year. I mean, can you imagine? But uh, you know, it is possible to survive under constant inflation. What's not possible is to have the the government, you know, treat you as a criminal. And it's not possible to have liberty under those circumstances. And I really don't think that it matters whether the Republicans or the Democrats are running the show. I mean, if you think about it, if I'm if in mass the people that that make up the managerial state are threatened, like like if you start threatening to get rid of the FBI, for example, what do you think that's going to do? All the people that at the FBI, you're going to become the enemy of the FBI. Um, and I think that's what's happening now. Yeah. Joe Biden and his administration are helping to empower these people, but ultimately um, we don't, we've lost control over this group and not just the FBI. He's going to talk about the DOJ in general, but yeah, we've lost control over this group because this group now has an incentive to survive uh, and they don't they don't see themselves as representatives of the people. They see themselves as keepers of the crypt. You know, they're 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 trying to keep um, the thing going. And you know that's that's their goal. They have their own incentives, and their own their own their incentives don't necessarily line up with our incentives. The Democrat Party does not give a damn about the Bill of Rights. It does not give a damn about your liberty. In fact, it views you as an obstacle. That's why they keep talking about you, the deplorables, you, the semi-fascists, you, MAGA, and on and on and on, attacking tens of millions of Americans, hardworking, tax-paying Americans who do nothing but contribute to this country. So I want to go through some of the issues that are taking place uh, and that we need to be attentive to. About a month ago, the Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee put together a 1,000-page document with footnotes, attribution on the violations of your liberties and the violations of federal law by the Federal Bureau of Investigation under this Department of Justice. Here it is. Here it is. Right here. Two what we used to call Manhattan phone books of information, page after page after page after page. Am I the only one who's read it? Have you seen a news organization actually go through it? No. Now, you know, if the Democrats put something like this out, they'd be hanging on every syllable. They'd be citing every footnote. This is a crucially important document. And among other things, what they found was, under Biden, the FBI is artificially inflating statistics about domestic violent extremism in the nation. The FBI is abusing its counterterrorism authority to investigate parents who spoke at school board meetings. We know this. The FBI has abused the foreign intelligence authorities 
to spy on American citizens, including people associated with the campaign of President Trump in 2016. The FBI is clearing the Bureau of Employees who dissent from its woke leftist agenda. Whistleblowers have explained how the FBI's political meddling in dragging the criminal side of the Bureau down as resources are pulled away from recent law enforcement duties. That's just the beginning of it. So I have a dumb but maybe important question. Does this sound like the government you learned about in civics class in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade or 10th grade whenever you learn about this kind of stuff? Does this, does this sound like the government that is the land of the free and the home of the brave? And every time you turn around, somebody's talking about how, you know, people over the, over the decades have fought and died in wars to secure our liberty. Does this sound like liberty to you? You know, he's blaming it on the Biden administration. But I will submit to you that if you look into each one of these carefully, you will find that this has gone on under both types of administrations under both types of presidents. This is just what the state does now. It doesn't matter who you elect. In fact, Tom Woods famously said about Republicans, no matter who you vote for, you get John McCain. And I think that's right, I, I, you know, except for Trump. I mean, I, Trump kind of broke that rule. But, um, but if we go back, if Trump is not allowed to run again, when you get a Republican president, Trust me, Tom Woods will be right. You'll get somebody more akin to John McCain. Now, if this keeps getting you know, worse and worse and the populism keeps growing, then maybe we'll, maybe we'll break out of that mold. But, but the state, the permanent Washington state, is aligned against whoever that, whoever that Republican is that's not like John McCain. They're, they're aligned against it. Okay, so um, a Republican like John McCain is not going to give us liberty. Okay, <laughs> just like the Democrats, pick any one of them, are not going to give you liberty. So um, it, it really doesn't matter who's in the White House. This is happening to us year after year, decade after decade, and it's getting worse. It's escalating. And so, you know, I would just... I would just ask a simple question. Is this, are these some of the things you would expect your government to be doing on a daily, weekly, annual basis? Uh, and if the answer is no, then I think it's time to start thinking about, you know, what we can do to dissolve the United States. Maybe just start advocating for secession in your own state. Uh, I don't know. But it's clear that... Um, even someone who, someone like Trump, who went there to drain the swamp, didn't even drain, you know, a noticeable amount out of the swamp. So I don't, I don't think it's something that can be controlled um, by voting. I just don't think that's possible. What else is going on in the Biden police state? Well, let's take a look from Fox. New DHS disinformation board documents reveal deep big tech collusion, and they contradict the sworn testimony of Mayorkas, the head of the DHS. Among other things, they were coordinating, meeting with, colluding with, if you will, 
top executives at Twitter before Elon Musk took over, which is why they hate Elon Musk, of course. And they have a number of documents, including emails on this now, about the collusion between DHS and the big oligarch tech companies. And what were they doing? They were monitoring you. They were monitoring anybody who disagreed with the line coming out of the Biden administration. Monitoring you in violation of your First Amendment rights. The government's not free to use private companies as front organizations. What else? Even the ACLU, which we rarely hear from these days, surreal stingray secrecy, uncovering the FBI's surveillance tech secrecy agreements. The FBI has refused to confirm or deny if it has recent records about its practice of requiring local police to sign strict non-disclosure agreements prior to purchasing invasive cell phone tracking technology. But the FBI acknowledged imposing these non-disclosure agreements on local police and even recognized problems created by the practice. So what is the FBI trying to hide now? And do the feds really not appreciate the irony of refusing to confirm or deny the existence of secrecy agreements? This type of thing where the uh, federal government uh, corrupts local governments, local police departments, has been going on for some time now. Um, you can see this with the militarization of the police. I mean, look at your local police now. They're wearing these heavy bulletproof vests. They have guns all over them. Some of them are carrying, uh, you know, automatic weapons. I was at the airport the other day. There were a couple of cops in there. They had AR-15s or, you know, M4s or whatever they were. And they were loaded down. I mean, they could wage a small war, just the two of them. Uh, you see this with uh, these Bearcats that they're, that the uh, Defense Department has transferred ownership to. Almost every police force in the entire country. And these are these tank-looking things that, um, that local police departments use for, um, you know, for a pretty scary, what, what amounts to is a pretty scary presence, uh, when they roll up with those things, you know, all the cops jump out, they're wearing military gear, helmets, bulletproof vests. I mean, they all, the military, I mean, the, the police now look like SWAT. Everybody looks like a SWAT team professional. So this kind of corruption has been going on for a while, but now you've got the FBI uh, requiring that these local police departments sign secrecy agreements, non-disclosure agreements around their Stingray surveillance technology. This is the technology where they can just drive down the road and it scans license plates if your car is parked on the street. Um and also cell phone technology, where they can look for open wireless networks and uh, snoop on your internet and things like that. So there's, there's things, there's just so much money being confiscated and being created out of thin air at the federal level. There's excess money to ship down to the local states and the local um, governments and it's just like shopping. These guys, you know, get they get all this stuff for free, and uh, and the federal government pays for it. Well, you and I are paying for it though, in, in the cost of inflation, and also taxes in the future. So, yeah, this has been going on for a while. But you know, I mean, Mark Levin's talking about. It. So, you know, this stuff was happening under Trump. The the very stuff he's talking about was happening under Trump. It was happening under. Um, um, 
George W. Bush before him, before Obama, during Obama. So this is not new stuff. This has been going on for a long time. And it's getting worse. And I'm glad Mark Levin's talking about it. But it's mislead. he's misleading us by telling us that it's, it's all Biden. It's the Biden administration. It's just not true. It's, it's permanent Washington. It's the permanent managerial political class. What's next? We have here a peek inside the FBI's unprecedented January 6th geofence dragnet. Google provided investigators with location data for more than 5,000 devices as part of the federal investigation into the attack of the U.S. Capitol. They didn't get a warrant, not on any individual, not for these 5,000. It's unbelievable what's taking place here. The FBI's biggest ever investigation included the biggest ever haul of phones from controversial geofence warrants, not normal warrants. Court records show a filing in the case of one of the January 6th suspects, David Ryan, shows that Google initially identified 5,723 devices as being in or near the U.S. Capitol during the riot. And the filing suggests that dozens of phones that were in airplane mode during the riot or otherwise out of cell service were caught up in the, tra in the trawl. Nor could users erase their digital trails later. In fact, 37 people who attempted to delete their location data following the attacks were singled out by the FBI for greater scrutiny. Yeah, this geolocation data, this is, uh, if you, you might recall, we talked about uh, uh, 2,000 mules. That's the Dinesh D'Souza, D'Souza movie where they showed um, voter fraud in the 2020 election by um, using geolocation data. Now, you know, the government is not supposed to do this, obviously. And if I was a January 6th participant and I was arrested by the government, I would definitely uh, find me a lawyer that would, would plead the case in such a way that uh, these, these were illegal searches under the, 14, uh, under the Fourth Amendment. Uh, they, they can't just scoop up gobs of data and then go searching for a crime. This is not the way law enforcement is supposed to work. You're supposed to show up at a crime and investigate it. Um, what they did is they scooped up a bunch of cell phone data and then trumped up, no pun intended, a crime against a bunch of people that were there protesting. And this is not the way our law enforcement system uh, was designed to work. And so these are massive civil liberty issues. And if you think, if you're, if you're one of these people, I'm just going to say it right now. If you're one of these people that says, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh-uh. These people didn't think they were doing anything wrong. They thought they were going to the capital of the United States of America, for which they are a citizen, to petition their government for a redress of grievances. It's written in black and white in the Constitution of the United States of America. But what did in fact happen? Well, that same government that they thought that they had the rights to go protest used all this technology and all this illegal searches and seizures and all this stuff to create uh, crimes, to create a, a, a scenario where these people were criminals. And this is not the spirit of the United States of America. This is not how things are done. In this country, every citizen is innocent, 
and has the right to pursue liberty until they violate somebody else's liberty or property. And there was no liberty or property violated. There were some, correction, there were some that broke windows and kicked down doors and things like that. And for that, those people should be prosecuted. But the overwhelming majority, 98% of the people there, we're just walking around looking at it going, oh, isn't this cool place? Isn't this cool that we that we're in the Capitol? And these people are sitting in jail. You know, let that sink in. You can be doing something that you think is perfectly legitimate. You're not hurting anybody, not hurting anybody's property, and the FBI can just scoop you up, throw you in jail. Man, that is that that is more akin to the countries we're constantly railing against, like Russia and Iran and places like that. Saudi Arabia is like that. Um, That is not the way we do things in the United States of America. More. You've heard about Twitter? You've heard about Google? Let me tell you about Facebook. New York Post, the FBI has a politically one-sided surveillance partnership with Facebook under the apparent name Operation Bronze Griffin according to this bombshell report that nobody's read but me, and apparently somebody at the New York Post. The report broadly outlines the FBI's alleged pro-Democrat political bias just days after revelations of a secret Facebook portal through which authorities can request the deletion of alleged misinformation from the world's top social media platform. Montana Attorney General concerned that FedEx and UPS may be tracking gun ownership for the White House. FedEx and UPS have changed shipping policy on firearms in a way that allows easy supervision and cataloging of sellers and buyers, Attorney General of Montana says. What? In general, we have a real problem with these tech companies. Like I said before, I think I said in a previous show, a lot of these people that work at these tech companies, they're like Indian and Chinese and and I got nothing against people from those countries, but they don't have a culture of liberty like we do here. And so they don't, they don't see, they don't see themselves as violating civil liberties when they do things like cooperate with the FBI and turn over personal data. They just don't see it as a problem. They see it as being a good American, you know, cooperating with law enforcement. And this is a real problem we have um, in general the cooperation between companies, between large corporations in the state is not only oppressive and violates liberty all over the place, it's offensive, you know, to live in the United States of America and just because you, uh, you've been able to amass, you know, this large corporate presence in our economy does not give you the right to aid the government in in violating the rest of our liberties. It just doesn't. We're your customers, not your your tools to be manipulated um, by agents of the state. I mean, this is is offensive to me. And it's one of the reasons that I've advocated for this 28th Amendment, this Congress shall make no law uh, separating American citizens from either their liberty or property. I mean, because that's essentially what is happening. When you have any kind of cooperation, uh, you know, lobbyist working with the state to do something, to advantage a corporation in the marketplace or to 
turn over some personal information uh, because of some product that we're using, this is a violation of your liberty. This is a violation of your property. When GE lobbies the U.S. government to outlaw the incandescent light bulb and then uh, basically limits our choices to compact fluorescent light bulbs, this is a violation of your liberty and your and your uh, and it's an invasion in your property because they're they're basically requiring you to part with more of your property, namely your money, to buy more expensive uh, technology because they they uh, persuaded the government to outlaw the other technology. And this is this is a violation of your liberty and your property, and we need to somehow get a separation between corporations and government. It's it's not good. It, it's it's really what enables it's fascism is really what it is. Uh, and, and I thought we were done with fascism, but the problem is people forgot what fascism is. Now fascism has just become racism. You know, you're a fascist if you say something negative about a brown person or a black person. Well that's not what fascism is. I mean there's an element of truth to that, but the real danger in fascism is the co-opting of the private sector by government. More. Former Fed president. Government snooping on bank transactions over $600, a massive search without a search warrant. Remember this proposal? Well, they're still pushing it. And there's no guarantee that they're not already doing it. A massive search without a warrant of everybody who takes in 600 bucks or spend 600 bucks. What do you think they need 87,000 new IRS agents for? This still might be going on. And let me tell you something, even if it's not, they intend to do it. They intend to do it. What else? Yeah, you know, technology's really just become a double-edged sword. You know, we, we kind of benefit from it for, for a while. You know, some, some newfangled thing will come out that we can run on our smartphones or you know, like the internet. The internet came out and, and it was great. People would share, you could send email. I mean, it just almost collapsed the postal service, right? And, but then it's not long before they figure out how to use, start using it against us, right? Spy on us, create the Patriot Act, and, you know, in the name of uh, looking for terrorists, they spy on us. And in and this, and this uh, Venmo thing, the $600 deal is the same thing, you know, uh, kids mostly you know, send each other Venmo over, uh, you know, they go to a restaurant and they, and they split the check by sending each other Venmos. And now what, you know, the, the government's going to tax that. I mean, come on. So, you know, every time some piece of technology comes out, it's like good for a little while, but it's almost like you, you, you almost just rather not come out in the first place and save us the hassle of the government taking it over later. But, you know, the nature of technology is that it changes, right? The government's constantly uh, sticking their fingers into that and, and figuring out how to separate us from our liberty and property. Again, the 28th Amendment. This is one of my ideas to separate uh, the United States government from corporations. And it simply says, you know, Congress shall make no law violating the liberty and or property of individual U.S. citizens. Now, it sounds simple, but the implications are significant. I mean, uh, theoretically, they wouldn't be able to tax us. I mean, the U.S. government wouldn't be able to tax us directly. They could tax us with tariffs. 
they could tax the states um, based on our population, but they wouldn't be able to tax individual Americans. And I think this is a big deal. This is this is why people like Donald Trump and you know people become targets of the United States of America because of the tax law. There, there's so many different ways they can screw you over. And a lot of it has to do with the stuff that we voluntarily hand over that they have no business having, like our income data, how much income we make, and things like that. At, at the very least, or at the best, the, the, you can only justify giving that to the, your local state, not the federal government. If this isn't police state or a police state like, then what the hell is? You're not safe online. Your emails and your texts are not safe. Your communications with your lawyer, they're not safe. They're unleashing 87,000 new IRS agents, the same IRS that went after conservatives before. They're trying to put an ex-president in prison, violating every standard and tradition we've ever had in this country. They're using a civil war law that was used against Confederates, against individuals who broke into the Capitol building uh, in order to put them in prison for 20 years or more while they're letting out people who used Molotov cocktails in New York City because they agree with their politics. The same Justice Department. These are very, very trying times. And when we look at China and we look at Iran, we're very, very concerned about what's taking place in those countries. But we better start paying attention what the hell's happening in our own country. Look, I, I don't think it's a, uh, an exaggeration to say that we're living in a police state. We've been living in a police state for some time, but it's getting more oppressive and more overt. And, and eventually, um, somebody's told me this one time, I, we were talking about smoking in bars, and I made the comment, well, you know, if we're going to have basically socialized medicine, you know, we can't let people smoke. And, and their, their question was, well, what about the bar owner? Doesn't he get a say, you know, I mean, it's his property, right? If his customers want to come in and smoke and he wants to let them, then shouldn't that be the case? And this was, th 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 that conversation actually had a very profound effect on me, but you know, it's, it's, it's caused me to examine a lot of things that we think are true about uh, our government, our society, the way we're structured, what we allow the government to do and not do. And I just think we've this this evolution of becoming a police state. You may say to you may say to me, Seth, I, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. Uh, I don't have anything to worry about. And they're not coming after me. Well, not yet. See, that's the thing. That's, you know, and that was this person's point, you know, well, okay, it'll be cigarettes this time, but eventually they'll come after something you do want, you know. Maybe, maybe you want to eat steak and they take away steak. Or maybe, um, maybe you want to travel more than 15 miles from your home. I don't know if you heard this or not, but in Oxford, England, the local government has passed a law there that says you can't travel more than 15 minutes from your house more than 100 days out of the year. And if you do, they're going to fine you. So, you know, you just got to remember that, that the... The ends justify the means. These are these are people that have uh, an idea of what they want in terms of ends, and it doesn't matter if it's climate change, you know, climate policy, or 
Uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. But their, their point is, that's where we want to end up. And so they justify all these means. And all these means that they come up with impede, impede your liberty. You know, if you, okay, so maybe you don't think it's a big deal to take away somebody's right to smoke in a bar, but you might think it's a pretty big deal that the government's going to tell you you can't drive more than 15 minutes from your house more than 100 days out of the year. You might think that's a big deal. And if they're going to do that, what would keep them from, you know, not even, you know, from limiting even more? Let's say you can only drive 15 minutes from your house, period, ever. I mean, essentially, you're living in a prison at that point. So, you know, you just have to, you, you have to draw the line, I think, early and establish your, your commitment to liberty and property early. I don't think we can, I mean, we've let things get too far, in my opinion. And I don't think we can let them get much farther out of whack before we lose this completely. I think uh, Mark Levin is right about that. Uh, we may not be able to recover from what, what we have now. Uh, but certainly, if it goes much further, it's going to be very, very hard to get this back. Because once, once you lose ground to the government, you don't really ever get it back. And so, uh, at least that's been the trend. So look, I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Um, certainly, I've enjoyed talking about it. I mean, this is just one of the weird things that I do. I like to talk about this kind of stuff. I like to talk about this. I like to talk about economics. To me, those are the two most important uh, discussions that we can have publicly with one another. Everything else just falls into personal preference, in my opinion. But if you if you enjoy these conversations, if you enjoy the content that I bring to you and the commentary that I provide, you know, by all means, share the show with your friends and family. Um, that's that's the way we're going to grow the audience. Maybe we can, maybe as we grow the audience, we can do some other things together. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I'm I'm interested in. Uh, talking to people that are interested in these concepts and want to grow liberty and secure property rights for everybody in America, not just the rich and powerful, but everybody. And if you like that content and uh, enjoy you know, what I'm talking about, then by all means, come back tomorrow and listen. And if you do, of course, I'll be here to do it all over again. If this isn't police state or a police state like, then what the hell is? <laughs>